Hello, it's the December 2019 DCM podcast. It's the last podcast of the year. And for this momentous occasion, I'm once again joined by DCM's Marketing and Insight Director, Zoe Jones. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Although I've got a bit of a croaky, cold Christmas voice. So hopefully I'll be okay. Zoe has clearly been listening to the podcast this year and heard that other DCM members were creeping up on their appearances on the DCM podcast and has come in at the last and taken the crown again. You are now the most um, capped member of the DCM team, apart from myself, on the podcast. Oh, well, that's, that's an amazing achievement. <laughs> yeah, what an achievement. <laughs> um, now, it is the last month of the year. What's the date today? It's December the 17th. 17th Is it December, December the 17th? I don't even know what day it is. But anyway, it's late December. We're going to talk about our highlights of the year, aren't we, Zoe? We are, but actually, I'm going to interview you more than you normally do the interviewing. I think this this podcast, we want to hear more from you. Okay, well, let's do that then. And what you think about the films. Well, bef- before we get on to that, have you seen any films in the cinema recently? I have. My most recent film was Knives Out. Okay, Knives Out. It's a, what I've I've mentioned, I think, on the podcast, what I think of this. I loved Knives Out. I've loved I actually took the day off on a Monday, and I took myself to the cinema on my own and watched it, and it was, it was brilliant. Now, I just want to flag, a, a lot of listeners are probably thinking you're a right saddo right now. <laughs> um, you didn't take the day off to go see Knives no, Out, did you? No, I, I was just chilling, you know, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to see what time it's on. I want to see it. Now's a good time. So you just had the day off and you were like, what should I do? Um, and Knives Out was on at a convenient time and you yeah. went. That's perfectly acceptable. I loved it. Yeah, it's good. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig was great. Um, I think the director, Rianne Johnson, is a brilliant sort of return to slightly different fare after doing the second Star Wars. I think it's great to see directors like that do the massive big budget films and the slightly more quirky individual films. I mean, I don't think we've seen a film like that in a long time and it felt obviously nods towards Agatha Christie and other whodunit type movies but I thought, I thought, I thought it was a very fresh take on, on that genre. 100% agree. I, Within the first five minutes of this film I knew that I was going to love it. There's the scene where he's interviewing all the members of the family and it's cutting between them and Daniel Craig occasionally presses, presses the note the on, the, on the, the key on the piano and I just was like, it made me smile and I just and instantly knew I was going to love it and it never dropped the ball at any point in the next two hours. I think it was brilliant and it might even be one of my favourite films of the year, which we're going to come on to. Yes, it's up there and for me. Yes, and uh, it's still in cinemas. It will be in cinemas across Christmas because it's doing really well. So if you haven't seen it, go and see it. What was your last film at the cinema? I did see one of the really new films last week. You've, you've seen it. You've seen the, the epic one that's coming, haven't yes, you? Yes, but I'm not going to talk about that. But what I am going to talk about is at the weekend I went to see... It's not Star Wars, by the way. He no. saw Cats. Yes, <laughs> We're not going to go into that, though. Um, uh, is it under embargo, Tom? I think I am under embargo, okay. yes. yes. Um, so I saw at the weekend, I went to the BFI to see West Side Story, the original West Side Story. And ordinarily, I wouldn't tell you that when I've been seeing an older film, but I think it's worth p- highlighting that West Side Story is the big film of Christmas next year, a brand new version of it directed by Steven Spielberg. So it was really good to refresh and uh, and uh, engage with the old one and it is on Netflix if you haven't seen it and it's just absolutely brilliant why do you think they felt now's the time to remake it it's such an iconic classic musical well i'm assuming steven spielberg decide, decided he wanted to make a musical and west side story was the musical and when steven spielberg decides he wants to make a film he generally gets it made but i think having seen it with fresh eyes it's still an incredibly relevant story you know it's about 
um, immigrant gangs in West in New York. It's about how the New York community uh, respond to those gangs, and it's about racial tension and how people can come together in even amongst that tension. And I think e- next year that's going to be as relevant as ever. And uh, I- I'm really excited to see what Steven Spielberg does with it. I think Ansel Elgort as um, Tony is is going to be good casting. I think some of the original actors are in it as well. I think Rita Moreno, who won, who won the Oscar for playing Anita in West Side Story, the original, is going to be in it as well. I'm very excited to see it. So I thought I'd just highlight that West Side Story was the film I've seen in the cinema most recently. Well, we can look ahead to 2020 a bit at the end as well. Yes. But maybe, what, how should we do this? Should we go back to the beginning of the year a little bit? Recap? Yeah, let's um, do it. Pull let's out a couple of your favourites and, and yep. go from there. Let's go. Um, so... Why don't we just talk about favourite films in general, then we can delve more into performances, etc. What would be your standout, I guess, from Q1? Is there anything? Okay, well, Q1, just to highlight, I was away for most of Q1, and so so I didn't see them in the cinema, but I did catch up with almost all the films in Q1, not all of them, obviously, but my favourites were probably If Beale Street Could Talk, that's the one. I think it kind of gets forgotten amongst last year's... The, uh, sorry, the award season this year because it didn't win any awards but I think I preferred it to all of the major contenders I preferred it to the favourite I just think but Barry Jenkins's films are going to be films that resonate with me really strongly I just think he's a beautiful filmmaker and he makes he, he captures something about human relationships and interactions and I felt this was a really elegant loving film and I yeah I genuinely loved it it's funny because I went to a comedy night the other day in Hackney and one of the comedians got on stage and she played some a piece of music and she said it was from If Bill Street Could Talk and she said it which was a terrible film that came earlier this year and I didn't like her set and I don't know if I didn't like her set because she slagged off If Bill Street Could Talk and also I'm sure I was like, that's why and I was like this is bizarre why pick on that film anyway that's just an aside that I thought I would throw in well, I think my, my two, that, that mix that you mentioned, probably be Vice and The Favourite. Um, I mean, I know The Favourite obviously won big for Olivia Colman's performance, but I thought Christian Bale was amazing in Vice and obviously quite transformative with all the prosthetics, etc. But he really owned that, and I think it was just a brilliant film. I love I love his filmmaking generally, but it had a new take on Well, I think he's, that. he's had an amazing year, and we'll come on to that because one of the questions, I'm sure you're going to ask me about my favourite performances of the year, and he's in there. Good. Great. Any other ones you want to pick out? Um, from, from Not from Q1, but as you move into Q2, which follows Q1, uh, I really loved Eighth Grade, which was Bo Burnham's directorial debut, which came out on the same day. Well, no, not the same day, because Avengers Endgame came out on the Thursday. Eighth Grade came out on the Friday. And I think Eighth Grade was easily my favourite of the two films. I like Avengers Endgame, but eighth, I just loved eighth grade uh, Bo Burnham who is better, ha, until then was better known as a kind of YouTube star and stand up comedian he made a film about a young girl in the eighth grade and I don't know how he did it like it, my, I took my partner Emma to see it and she can't believe that it was directed by a 28 year old man um, Elsie Fisher who plays the lead is just so brilliant and heartbreaking and awkward and just captures that kind of or that that weird period that eighth grade as a thirteen year old is, where you're kind of not really a child anymore, but you're not an adult. Yeah. And um, it it was absolutely brilliant, and without doubt one of my top three films of the year. Or around the same period, there was also Apollo Eleven, uh, which was the documentary about the Apollo Eleven mission, which blew my mind. I don't, if you haven't seen it, go and see it because 
or, or get the DVD, but if you can see it at cinema, it's one of those films where I d- they've got just incredible footage of the preparations for the Apollo 11 mission, and it, they've restored it, and it looks so modern. If Christopher Nolan had made a film about the Apollo 11 mission last week, it wouldn't look as good as the footage they have of, of the actual Apollo 11 mission. And even when they haven't got footage, so certain bits that have obviously where they're uh, doing part of the journey in space, they do it with really interesting visualizations. I thought it was jaw-dropping, Apollo 11, uh, one of the best, easily one of the best films of the year. There was also another and film. And we can't have more than five favorite films of the year. I've got, <laughs> I've, well, we've mentioned Knives Out, I've mentioned If Bill Street Could Talk, mentioned Eighth Grade, I've mentioned Apollo 11. I'm going to mention one other, which is Thunder Road, Ooh. which was a American comedy which came out in June um, by an American guy called Jim Cummings who wrote, directed, and stars in it. Uh, he basically made a short film a few years ago, which I think won an award at Sundance, and the short film was this scene of this guy doing a eulogy at his mum's funeral, and she w- loved Bruce Springsteen, and she was obsessed with the song Thunder Road. And the first t- 12 minutes of this film, of the, of the feature film Thunder Road, is him doing this eulogy about his mum and trying to get this child's ghetto blaster to play the song Thunder Road. And it's really funny, it's really moving, it's just brilliantly performed. It's all done in one take as well. Oh. It's absolutely stunning. And the rest of the film, I thought, lived up to it as well. That's easily one of my favourite films of the year. And Bruce the other one... Bruce I was Springsteen's been quite popular in films. Yeah, see. and it's quite funny because Jim Cummings, who directed Thunder Road, didn't have the rights to the song. Oh, so right. he can't, couldn't play the song in the film. And so one of the jokes in the... Well, funny bits of the, about the Emily scene is that he can't get the stereo to work. So he's desperate to play Thunder Road, but can't. And he Very did, clever way of... And he uh, didn't have the rights to it, whereas Blinded by the Light, had the rights to the Springsteen estate and um, played a number of Bruce Springsteen songs. And then there was another film that I wanted to mention as well, which was called One Cut of the Dead, which is a Japanese comedy film, which is styled as like a zombie film, but becomes an out-and-out comedy and is one of the funniest, most ingenious comedies I've seen this year, if you haven't seen it. I won't tell you too much about it, except go and see it, because the film you think you were watching in the first 45 minutes is not the f- it's completely not the film that it becomes. And I can't think of that about any other film this year. Like, totally took me by surprise. Well, I think it's great because your list is very different and people might have missed some of these at the cinema and can still watch some of them or watch them later. But I think people might say we should obviously talk about the more obvious ones yep. as well. I mean... I have some favourite blockbusters well, as well. You know, which film do you think has been the standout? Obviously, we, we part of our job is to predict and forecast what films are going to do. What, which, which one's blown... I, mean, I think I can probably predict which one you'll say, but which one's blown our forecast away, really, in terms of its success? Uh, in terms of success, Joker, I think it's now the biggest 15-cert film of all... I'd say it is the, now the biggest 15-cert film of all time. It's DC Comics' biggest film, overtaking The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. I don't think anyone would have predicted that uh, on October 4th when it came out. It's up to almost £60 million. That's the domain of only Avengers films, so... But I think that's remarkable. Uh, you know, on our estate, it's done almost six million admissions, which is a, a, an amazing figure for a 15-cert film, which looked risky. Obviously, um, it has the weight of Warner Brothers and DC Comics behind it, but it was still a risky proposition, I think. And Joaquin Phoenix really w- went all in. And I think I th- it's, his, it's his performance, really, isn't it, that's driven this success. It's, it, it's not really effects. It's not really... People might be surprised when they go and see it what type of film it is but I think that's what's made it so successful I think that is a massive part of it but I also think they captured the time and place really well Uh, Todd Phillips 
has had a bit of stick, I think, for Joker. And it does seem to, it's been the most talked about film of the year, but it was really powerful, you know, and Joaquin Phoenix's performance was extraordinary. And it wouldn't surprise me if he wins the Best Actor Oscar. Uh, there's, it's a crowded field this year, but he was extraordinary. And when you look at him in last year, he was in You Were Never Really Here. And he spends part of that, ta- that film with his top off. And he just looks like a completely different person. How he moves his body in the yeah. film, and I think that his whole—it's a performance of his entire body, isn't it? I think yeah. how he how he transforms into the Joker. It's amazing that he—he's—he's I mean, he's obviously great with words. He's, he was in the Master, you know. He can deliver great dialogue and uh, brilliant words as, as as well as anyone. But physically as well, he's just an extraordinary performer. I thought. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in Joker. I mean, I went to see it at BFI IMAX. I feel like his face was imprinted on my eyelids afterwards because it's such an extreme close-up view of him as an actor and I don't think many actors could pull that off. It's such a powerful film and whilst it isn't amongst my favourites, it genuinely made me feel more than most other films this year. It didn't make me feel good, but it made me feel and that has to be something extraordinary. You know, I, I genuinely thought that him and Todd Phillips, and the supporting cast as well. You know, Zazie Beetz, Robert De Niro. Uh, I, I really like Mark Maron's little cameo appearance. Um, you know, that they it made me feel uncomfortable, and I quite appreciate. I do appreciate that. And then I guess, do we think Avengers Endgame will end the year as the biggest film, or do we feel like Cats will take um, that crown? <laughs> I think it's. I think. <laughs> I think there's no doubt that Avengers Endgame will end the year the biggest film of the year it's grossed 88.6 million it did eight and a half million admissions on our uh, for on the dcm estate i'm really strong with 1634 tvrs massive yeah i mean we've spoken a lot about tvrs over the last 18 months and avengers endgame delivered 36 i think 1634 tvrs and over half of them in its opening weekend you know that's extraordinary numbers and it did be it did um surpass expectations i mean bear in mind Avengers Infinity War did about 6.6 million DCM admissions, 60, 70 odd million at the box office. Uh, and this one sailed right past that. I mean, you're not a massive Marvel fan, I am. I mean, I feel like it was very nervous as to how they were going to pull all those strands together and all those characters. You know, they, they have done it so well in previous movies, but this was an epic undertaking. And I, I don't think anyone, I haven't really seen anyone being disappointed. I, don't, I haven't met a single person. And who's... I feel like Star Wars fans are much harsher on, on, on the Star Wars films, maybe because of the legacy. This is all kind of new territory with what Marvel are doing. Maybe that's part of it. But I feel like, I don't feel there's any disappointment in how they concluded this phase of the cinematic universe. Yeah, I think there's very few Marvel fans can say that Marvel have ruined their childhood because everything's happened in the last 10 years with Star Wars, you know, 40-year-old men are saying that because Last Jedi, because Luke Skywalker milked a banther or something, <laughs> they, that, uh, he, they've ruined their childhood. But I haven't met a single person who was disappointed with Avengers Endgame who was a big fan of it. And I think that's incredible to keep that many fans happy. And it was it, it was an extraordinary undertaking, and for three hours it was I was hooked. You know, I'm not a Marvel, you know, huge Marvel fan, but for three hours I was incredibly entertained. It hit the right beats at the right moment. It, every single character got a good moment in it, and and you feel like Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Tony Stark's really at the heart of all the. I mean, he, it was the start, wasn't it, of this yeah. phase Iron Man, and I feel like his performance was was an amazing. Obviously, no spoilers, but it was such an amazing heart I think of the film. We can spoil it. People can have we? had enough time. People have had enough time. But anyway, Robert Downey Jr. is 
I think he's been the key to the first 10 years of the MCU. He's been so, he's so good. It's, I always think of when I think of the best actors in comic book films of the last 10 years, him as Tony Stark obviously stands out. And I think Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. And I think Gal Gadot is going to be almost as important for, to, for the future of DC um, as Robert Downey Jr. has been for... He was really the first really acclaimed actor to take on a role like that, wasn't he? And I think that's sort of transformed who would take on but also, uh, more superhero-type roles and, and make them art forms in themselves, I think. But also he wasn't an obvious choice in terms of he'd had a troubled career up until that point. You know, he was brilliant in the 90s, but then it went all a bit wrong for a short while. And everyone knew how good he could be, but everyone was waiting for him to do that. And I think Iron Man showed that, you know, he's just so charismatic, isn't he? I mean, I'm really interested to see what he does with Doolittle in February. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, the other standout performance to me was Keanu Reeves in John Wick 3. Um, just want to put that out there. I mean, he's on a horse in this one. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I just love the John Wick series. I think how that's sort of taken his persona as a action star, but he's just totally owned that. And that, that didn't start as big, did it? That's no. got bigger and bigger. Um, it's been a bit of a word of mouth. I think the first film did hit. less than £2 million at the box office, and the latest one did over 10 Uh Keanu's the best. Like one of the best leading men around, and what's exciting is at the moment John Wick Four and the new Matrix film and the new Matrix film are due out on the same day. Obviously, that won't happen, but at the moment they're both out on the same day. That's exciting. What's the date for everyone's diary? It's May twenty twenty one. I can't think of the exact date, but it's May twenty twenty one. But yeah, Keanu as John Wick is one of my favourite performances this year. Which leads us on nicely yes. to, I think... <laughs> to the other favourite performances. Right, I'll just list some. I, mean, I don't think we want to split them out. Just throw in actors, actresses, so, just do it all in one. I've already mentioned Elsie Fisher in 8th grade. I mentioned Jim Cummings in Shut Thunder Road. I want to mention Christian Bale in Le Mans 66 because he was absolutely brilliant in Le Mans 66. So much fun uh, in, a, in a film which I was really surprised how much I loved. Uh, I thought Brad Pitt was great in Ad Astra in a film where the camera would have been very unforgiving and he totally carried that film. I thought he was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah, as well. He's well, had a both, great they, year. They, they both were actually. Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. She's had a lot of chat about it. I would love to see her win the Oscar. I thought it was a total star, star performance. She was brilliant dancing and she was brilliant with the drama scenes and it was just nice to see her back. I thought Charlize Theron was brilliant in Longshot and I really liked Seth Rogen in Longshot and in fact Longshot is probably could have listed it in my favourite films of the year. I think it's my favourite comedy. Uh, genuinely, I thought it laughed all the way through and I thought those two were a great pairing. One of my favourite comedies is Booksmart, actually. Yep. I thought the performances of the two leads in that were brilliant. And it's interesting, actually, that one of the leads characters, was um, actresses, was actually in a Unbelievable on Netflix, which is a totally different type of part. So dramatic and harrowing. That's Caitlin Dever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I just think they're, they're, what, they're two young actresses to watch and one of them is Jonah Hill's sister Beanie Fieldstein is um, and she's actually in Richard Linklater's version of Stephen Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along which is being filmed over 20 years so um, obviously we're not going to get to see it for probably about another 19 but I'm excited to see what happens with that if I'm still alive when it comes out but yeah you're right Booksmart Booksmart and Longshot my two favourite comedies of the year I think cool and best moment of a film this year oh what Best moment in a film. That's tricky. I was I have an idea for my best m- moment, um, but the one that Im- immediately comes to mind is, and only because we've just been speaking about it, was in Le Mans 66. There's the scene where uh, 
Ken Miles, who's played by Christian Bale, is racing at Daytona. And he's got to come first at Daytona to be able to race at Le Mans. And he's kind of coming second. He's not allowed to push the car to its limit. But then Matt Damon basically has an argument with the guy who who, who um, is the villain of the piece, who works for Ford. And he goes out and tells Christian Bale to floor it, basically. And he floors it. And on this final lap, he manages to overtake the, le- the, the leader in the race. And the music kicks in. And the roar of the engines comes out through the woofers of the speaking, speaker. And I properly punched the air. I was just like, this is the... I was having it was at that point where I was like I really like this film and it's probably not my favorite moment in a film but I just re- I thought it was a great moment in a really good film and uh, uh I I'm happy to have that as my moment that's good. I think mine were probably a bit more obvious obviously I mentioned John Wick on the horse but I think it's in the Avengers Endgame when they all come through the time portals yeah that's a good and bit the, as well. and they're that all is there a good bit. um and you know it's going to be okay there's also a bit in Longshot which I mentioned just slightly earlier where I laughed out loud properly, where Seth Rogen has to go, he goes to see um, Charlize Theron for the first time on in a work capacity um, because she wants him to write for him, her, and he has to go through an, a scanner and he has to uh, like as in like a Bo- that you have a, yeah that you have at airports and um, and he has to empty all his belongings into this uh, bowl to the side of the scanner and it's just a really funny scene I found it very I'd funny I see indeed. this film I haven't seen it yeah, yet big fan of long shot don't miss it so best director then they're ultimately in charge of these moments who do you think is your best director of 2019 I've got five uh, I've got Barry but Jenkins then you've got to pick one okay Barry Jenkins for um, If Beale Street Could Talk Olivia Wilde for Booksmart Ryan Johnson for Knives Out Bob Burnham for um uh, eighth grade and because I've obviously I don't want to just keep mentioning the same films I really wanted to mention S. Craig Zala who did a film called Dragged Across Concrete I've really liked his films today he's done Bone Tomahawk and Brawling Cell Block 99 but he did a film called Dragged Across Concrete which starred doesn't sound like a comedy or no, a happy not. one it's an 18 no. sir it starred Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn which immediately there's a pairing which gets people's backs up but again it's about it's about 2 hours 40 minutes and it's a crime drama but there's a 40-minute, maybe 50-minute period in the middle where um, S. Craig Zala is kind of... His films are quite long and he drags out action sequences and tense standoffs and such like to their, like, way beyond the standard point. And there was a scene in this one where there's this kind of standoff between these the, the cops and this gang in this car park outside this warehouse. And it was so exciting. I was literally... I couldn't... Have been more excited. I was got. I almost got up out of my chair and was just like, "Oh, come on! Just this is so. It was I would so have good." Out then the yeah, I mean, the rest of the film around it is not five stars, but I thought this fifty-minute section in the middle was amongst the very best bits of cinema I've seen this year. So I'm going to mention that as well. Great. So any kind of trends this year that you've seen that you think will will go and take us into 2020? Well, that have been different. Funnily enough, I think it's quite interesting to highlight that this year feels very different to next year. So this year has been all about the big sequels, the kind of culmination of the MC. We haven't even mentioned Toy Story 4 or Frozen 2. Yeah. Talking of big sequels. So we've got had Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, then we've had the big live-action adaptations of classic Disney, so Dumbo, Aladdin, uh, Lion King. Then you've had the culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been, and obviously just coming out to, to, uh, on Thursday, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. It's been the culmination of a lot of big 
cinematic stories and franchises. And so it's been franchise heavy and next year isn't. And I think that for me personally is very, is very exciting because, and I think for the general public, they'll respond to that as well. It's uh, next year feels very different. And while there will be certain trends next year that um, haven't been existed this year, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how what ends up being the biggest films of next year. Obviously, James Bond is going to be the biggest, but outside of that, it's really up for grabs. Whereas this year, you could have picked the five biggest films of the year easily. Next year, aside from Bond, it's quite difficult, and I think that's quite exciting. We're predicting similar admissions, aren't we, for yep. next year to this year? Yep. And 2018 will probably end up being slightly bigger than this year might end up, we think? It, it's going to be very close. So if we fall short of 2018's numbers, we're still going to be the second busiest year for... 48 years since 1971 uh if we have a really huge final week of the year we could overhaul 2018 but i think we're probably going to fall slightly short but even so that's an incredible result well, i think the point is it's pretty consistent now yeah. isn't it i think the love of cinema is as strong as ever regardless of the slate and i think you're right people will come out in their droves for new content um there's also a really interesting trend next year isn't there with a lot of really um, big films that are directed by female directors, which people have talked a lot about in the past, that you don't see enough of that. Yeah, it was about time. I mean, it's worth highlighting that both films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so Black Widow and The Eternals, are directed by women who've made very good, smaller, independent films in the past. Kate Shawland made a film called The Berlin Syndrome. She made a film called Somersault. And then Chloe Zhao, who's directing The Eternals, directed a film called The Rider, which I think was the one of the best-reviewed films of last year. In the DC universe, you've got Birds of Prey, directed by Kathy Yan, who did a film called Dead Pigs. And then you've got Wonder Woman 1984, which I think the trailer's a total knockout. This looks brilliant. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, uh, but it's probably the best use of music in a trailer this year as well. And that's directed by Patty Jenkins, who directed the first Wonder Woman. And I think that's going to give us a fresh take on these stories. And it's I think it's about time. I mean, we don't need any more... Uh, superhero films at the moment directed by the same usual suspects uh, and I think particularly we, you could already see with Wonder Woman 984 there's a confidence to that trailer which we haven't perhaps seen which wasn't perhaps in Wonder Woman because yeah. it didn't know just how big it was going to be but the use of the music the visual stylings in the 80s Diana, uh, Gal Gadot's Diana Prince just looks totally at home I think Wonder Woman 94 or is, of the four films is to me the standout but I think all four are really exciting prospects Definitely. So what else, looking ahead to 2020, are you excited about? I there's so much. I, I've already seen. So what, one of the, my highlights of this year was that I was a voter at the British Independent Film Awards in the best international uh, independent film category. And so I've already seen a handful of the films that are coming out in Q1 next year, and they would be in my top five films of this year if I could include them. So things like Parasite, which I've one... I've heard amazing things about this. Can Parasite, you say, say a bit about the plot of this one? Parasite won the Palm Door. It's from Pong, Bong Joon-ho, who is a brilliant Korean director. He's made things like Snowpiercer and the, and the Mother and Memories of Murder. And it's about a family who are all unemployed in Korea who basically one of them gets a job working for this very wealthy family and then all four of them end up ingratiating themselves with this family it's all going well until they discover something else about the house that the family live in and it is a super is it a fun film? no it's not a horror film at all it's it's because bong joon ho has made kind of films with horror elements in the past but it's a thriller and it's really funny until it's very very serious and then it kind of builds to this shocking crescendo and for a couple of minutes it might be uh, you know, a, a bit much for some people, but it absolutely rewards your um, uh, attention. And I think it has the scope to be the biggest foreign language film that we've had for quite some time. It's 100% going to break out. It, it's going to be, you know, most 
it's, it's rare a foreign language film does over a million pounds at the box office. I reckon this will do three. Brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. So that was great. There was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was absolutely brilliant as well, um, from Selinski Yama. Uh, that was, that's coming out in February. Uh, for the rest of the year, I think there's probably three films next year that I'm looking forward to more than any film I look forward to this year, which is Tenet, Christopher Nolan's this looks brilliant. Espionage Thriller, which comes out in July. The Soul, which is the an original Pixar out in June from Pete Doctor, who directed Inside Out. And then there's Dune, which is Denny Villeneuve's big adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi novel, which is out at Christmas next year. I think those three films from incredible filmmakers, are, along with Wonder Woman 1984 and um, some of the su- superhero films we mentioned, I think it adds up for a really exciting year I think I'm I'm really excited about Dune as well I'm a huge fan of sci-fi novels and I think I don't think the first version of Dune really lived up yep. to the Sting, promise of the book Sting um, and David Lynch yeah it didn't it didn't quite work out that one did it um, but I feel like this is going to be brilliant. I mean Timothy Chalamet is, is one of the actors of the moment isn't he I think he looks great likes to be great in Little Women as well um, the whole cast is amazing so you've got Chalamet you've got Josh Brolin you've got Rebecca Ferguson you've got I think Charlize Theron Oscar Isaac uh, I think Dune yeah, I can't wait to see that. I mean, I love Blade Runner 2049. I loved Arrival. I think Denny Villeneuve's an amazing filmmaker. Very excited to see that one. I mean, the other one I probably would pick out is, we've touched on it briefly, is The Eternals. Um, you know, you mentioned having a new filmmaker in, at the helm of this type of movie. I don't think we know much about The Eternals. I feel like they're the new version of Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm, I'm quite excited to see um, what they're going to bring um, to this superhero universe. Um, I think you're right. There's a lot of background, you know, I think actually... Um, Thanos is one of the Eternals. He was an Eternal, um, yeah. So you know there, there, there will be a tying in of, of, of different threads, but I feel like this will be a completely new offering, and so I'm really excited about it. I think also worth highlighting one of the most surprising photos of the year came out this week, and it's Kumail Nanjiani. You know, did you see the Big Sick? He's no. an American actor. You will you will have seen him. He's a very funny comic actor. He's in the Eternals, uh, and he's absolutely ripped. Think. Chris Pratt when he took his top off in Guardians of the Galaxy yep. it's like it's like from Chris Pratt in Parks and Recreation to Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy that's what Kumail Nanjiani's wow. done it's check it out he's a he's a really funny actor Kumail Nanjiani I'm excited to see what he can do in in the Eternals and he's also in a film called The Lovebirds in May which sorry in April which looks very funny with Issa Rae and it's directed by Michael Showalter who did The Big Sick and then just uh, as it's Christmas time, just going ahead to Christmas next year, um, we talked about West Side Story, but I think The Witches looks really exciting as well. Yeah. I love Roald Dahl adaptations, and this is one of my favourites, which terrified me as a child, but this, this looks like a fresh new take on that story. Yeah, and I still kind of have nightmares from the Nicholas Rogue version in the start of the 90s, but this is from Robert Zemeckis with Anne Hathaway as the Grand High Witch. That already sounds quite fun. Uh, I think it's out in October. I think that will be one of the standout films in Q4 next year. And the UK public love Roald Dahl. Think how big the BFG was. I think the, the Witches could be up there as well. Before we wrap up, Zoe, what's been DCM's highlight of 2019? I, mean, I think there have been loads of highlights personally and professionally. Um, you know, we, We've had an amazing year. I mean, the admissions we've said have been similar to last year, but from DCM's point of view, we've absolutely smashed it. I mean, we've never had such a high ad revenue. Um, everyone's talking about we're driving this globally. I think we're really proud as a team that we've we've hit a really challenging budget and we can see that growth continuing. So it's a really great place to work. And we're obviously really excited about the content, but I think what the team's delivering to the media industry and through 
our efforts on promoting cinema. I think it's been great to be a part of that. It's It certainly has. Uh, here's to 2020. Thanks for joining me, Zoe. No problem, Tom. I'll be back uh, next month when it will genuinely be a new decade. Is it a new decade or does the new decade, new decade start 2021? I never know that. It's a new decade. Anyway, it's the 20s. Either way, thanks for listening to the DCM podcast in 2019. Don't forget to like and subscribe and rate it and all that business. I don't really know why, but do that. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.